Some of you have heard my voice, and yes, it is still scratchy. But I'm glad you're here today. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 9. When uh, Ron and I have gone on some trips, we have a tendency to either, well, all right, we usually overpack. And when we load the camper now, we just ask ourselves, will it be cold? Will it not be cold? Or what do we need to bring? We just bring stuff and we just throw it in there. And then when we go on the trip, most of what we bring, guess what? We never use it. And then we get back and we haul it back inside. And every trip, I ask myself, why do we keep doing this? Because maybe I was a Boy Scout back in the day, and the motto was be prepared. So I want to be prepared for most anything, even though with modern technology, we can know the weather and we can anticipate that, but we just keep doing it. I'm sharing that for us to think about this little idea. In life, we are on a journey. We're, we've been looking at this journey all month long, and we've talked about having excess baggage in our life. We started out this, this topic by talking about where are we going? What's the trip? What's the journey? And the ultimate journey is when we breathe our last, will we go to heaven or will we spend eternity separated from God in hell? That was the first message. And if we don't get rid of the excess baggage of our unbelief or our doubt or our questions, and we fail to receive Jesus as our Savior, then our journey is very different from the rest of us. It, it will be a journey filled with unhappiness and misery, and eventually it will lead to an eternity separated from God. But for those of us who are on the journey to heaven, we're on a journey where God is truly giving us His richest blessings. Jesus said in Matthew 10 that the thief, the devil, has come to kill, steal, and destroy. But He, Jesus, came to give us life and to give it to us abundantly. So for those of us who are going to heaven, the baggage that we have, we need to think about how does the baggage in our life hurt us from experiencing God's best on this side of heaven. And so we talked in the second week about a roadmap. The roadmap is Scripture. The Bible gives us the plan by which we should live our life, by honoring God, serving God, pleasing God. And that roadmap helps us get to that final destination. And as we travel the journey, while it is so low, we still need other people along with us along the way. And we need the right people in our life. Well, today I want you to think about this idea getting rid of the things that hinder you, that slow you down, that weigh you down. Modern runners, they understand if you're running a marathon, you don't want a lot of extra weight. If you're swimming one of those long marathons, you don't want a lot of extra weight. And so the same is true in our spiritual life. We need to get rid of anything that would hinder us and slow us down because God wants us to finish the race that we are on in the best possible way. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. This is what we read. Don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Now, everyone who competes 
exercises self-control in everything. However, they do it to receive a crown that will fade away. But we have a crown that will never fade away. Therefore, I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. We're going to look at those verses and think about what it means to run the race this morning. And we're going to wrap this message series up of excess baggage. Paul is using this analogy, this this picture of runners in an Olympic race. And he says, when they're running in this stadium, they all race. But he said, only one wins the prize. And we know that to be true. We're on a race for our soul. We're on a race to experience God's best. And as we are on this race, there's a prize set before us. The prize is not just heaven, but the prize is also for God to look at us when we reach that final destination and for Him to say, well done. You did great. You honored me. You served me. You were faithful. And then God will reveal to us the great blessings that await us in heaven. And so for us who are running this race, we want to run the race to the best of our ability. And so as we run the race, Paul says we run it in a way that we're winning a prize, not something here on this earth, not something temporal. You know, I've got a lot of things in my life that I've won. When I was in high school, I was in clubs. I was in the 4-H club. I was in the FFA. I was in the VICA club. And there were competitions that I participated in. I received certificates. When I was in Boy Scouts, I earned medals and honors and this, that, and the other. Do you know where all of those things are now? I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. I don't know where the badges that I earned as a Boy Scout, you know, that you sewed on the little sash that you put around. I don't know where that thing is. I don't know where all of the certificates and the awards that I won in high school are at. Even in my life, there are very few things that I still have because they're temporal. When Ron and I walk through our house and go down to the basement occasionally and we look at the things that are there, we look and think, why have we saved that? And, and sometimes we look at the box and we ask this question, what's in the box? And we've opened the box and we've looked at it and we've thought, why did we save that? There was a moment a few years ago when we opened up a box that said tax records. We had saved tax records from the day we were first married, from 1979. And we both looked at each other and said, I don't think we need these anymore. And it, it was difficult for me, honestly, it was difficult for me to let go of those documents. But Rhonda said, we don't need them. And I said, but you just don't know. You can't trust the IRS. And she said, but we need to let them go. And I let them go. As we think about the things on this earth, at the end of our life, it's just not going to matter. And so Paul says that the, the people who are running the race in a stadium, 
They win a prize that's not eternal. In our life as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we are running for a prize that will last forever. It will never fade. It will never lose its splendor or its glory. And we are running that race, and we should run it with excellence. And so he says we need to run the right way. We need to, he said, uh, not run as one runs aimlessly. Have you ever noticed in a race when there are multiple racers, they all have their lane they start off on, and then the gun fires and off they go? I've never seen anybody run off the course and then up the stadium and through the stadium and then back to the track. They stay on the course because they know that if they stay on the course, they have a chance to win the race. But for so many of us in our faith life, we get off course. We leave the track. We make detours and we think, if I go in this direction, I will find what I'm looking for or I'll experience something that I long for. And that's disastrous. We need to stay on the course. And so we have to bring our life under a strict control. So how do we do that? Well, most of you know I love college football. I love baseball. I love sports. I can't play it, but I still love it. And as I've looked at football players and baseball players that are doing it, whether in college or on the pro level or even in the high school level, those players that say, I am going to learn my craft and I'm going to discipline myself. There are those weird moments that I've had in my own life, even recently, as I'm walking my neighborhood. As a man almost 63 years of age, the thought popped into my brain. I wonder if I could play football at my age. I wonder if I could get out there and face a man twice my height with more muscle than I could ever dream of and beat him. And then I come to my senses and say, you know what, my ankles hurt. My knee's hurting. The arthritis in my hand hurts. I think I just cracked something. And then I realize I'm not in my 20s anymore. I'm not even in my 30s anymore. And there was a moment when that, that thought popped into my brain, and I remembered when Rhonda and I first got married, 21 at that point, I came back to my hometown and hooked up with some high school buddies, and we played backyard football. It was amazing. Yard football is fun. The next day, when I awoke, I realized there were muscles in my body that had not been used at that age in a very long time. I could barely walk. So why in the world would I think at my age now I could do such a thing as preposterous? I know. Here's what I'm wanting you to see. When you are involved in something like a sport, you train. You train and you train and you push your body to the limit and you exercise in ways that most of us cannot imagine or even dream of. 
And then when you get hit or experience all of that, it, you feel it. I mean, I'm looking at Brett. I could just imagine me going against Brett. I mean, Brett, I could not take you. So I, I just, you know, here, here's, 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 let me bring it home. When we travel with too much baggage, when we, in our spiritual walk, in our spiritual journey, when we put too much and have too much in our head, it robs us of God's best. That's what it does. It gets you off course. It, it focuses you or leads you away from the true purpose that God called you to. And God says we, we can't do that. We can't afford to do that. It, we are distracted from the real goal. So just to let you know, I am not about to quit my day jobs, my weekend jobs, and my other jobs to go to the University of Georgia or even some podunk country school in the middle of nowhere and try out for the football team. It is not going to happen. Because that is not what God wants me to do, one. But I focus on the purpose and the mission that God has called me to. And I'm encouraging you to not be robbed of what God wants you to do and become. Don't be distracted by all of the stuff in this world. Because when we get off course, we become lazy and ineffective in God's kingdom. When I say lazy, we just it's so easy to get lazy, isn't it? It's easy to just say, eh, I'm going to take it easy for a while. I'm just going to kind of meander. When I first started this walking thing that I've been doing, the first week went okay. And the second week, I did notice that my ankles hurt. And I wondered, why do my ankles hurt? And then I realized as I was walking on the sidewalk, walking from the sidewalk to a driveway, there was a little bit of a dip. And that little dip, that little bitty dip going in and out, it hit me. Huh, I'm using muscles down there. I've never used it or haven't used in a while. And it, it made me think. Maybe I should get off the sidewalk and just walk on the road. So I did. And it helped. But I had to get back on the sidewalk because I needed to keep stretching and moving and pushing myself. You see, when we, if we are not careful, we can get lazy in our spiritual duties as well. I don't need to read the Bible today. There's no need for me to read the Bible. I know a lot about the Bible. Or we may say, I can just not pray today. I don't really need to talk to God about these things today. We may even say, I don't really need to come to church. They won't miss me. You see, we can make, if that's what God does. When we get off the track, we become lazy. So how do we travel light? How can we take these verses and other verses and learn how to travel light? The first thing I want to give you is this. We need to learn to run with purpose. We need to understand what is my real purpose? Who am I? Who does God want me to be and become? 
the purpose that God wants us to run this race is to run this race because there is a prize that waits for us. It's not enough just to get to heaven. There are too many people who have said, well, you know, I, I want to go to heaven because I don't want to go to hell. And, and they'll say, I'm, I'm on my way to heaven. I've said the prayer. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe that he was raised from the dead. I've said the prayer. I even got baptized, but I don't really want to grow anymore. I just want to stay where I'm at. You're robbing yourself. You're cheating, you're cheating yourself if that's what you've convinced yourself of because there's so much more that God wants to pour into you and pour into me. And we need to run the race because there's so much more that God can do and wants to do for us. We should run it with a purpose. The purpose of, I want to become the person God wants me to become. You hear, you hear me say that a lot, don't you? I want you, God wants you to become the person that he wants you to become, not the person that you want to become, because God wants you to run this race with purpose. And you've got to get rid of the baggage that would prevent you from becoming the person God wants you to become. And that requires also from these scriptures some self-control. It is so easy to just let it go. I mean, it's just easy to say, I don't care. It is harder to say, I've got to make some decisions. I've got to say no to some things. Verse 25, he says, now, everyone who competes exercises self-control. We need to have a little more self-control. We need to start saying to ourselves, I'm not going to do that. I've shared with you more than once how... 13 or so years ago, I was a little chunkier. Now, I was never, as Rhonda's told me, fat. Now, my doctor told me I was borderline obese. I looked at him and said, you're crazy. Now, I'm, I'm just saying this. When there are a lot of people today who want to lose weight and they go on diets, the fad diets, you know what I'm talking about? And then they, they get off the diet, and what happens? They just pop right back out. Having self-control is very difficult. In our spiritual life, it is more difficult to have real self-control. If I see an ice cream store do you know what screams inside of me? Ice cream, ice cream. I love ice cream. I don't care if it was 20 degrees out. I want to go in and get some ice cream. And you know that if you go into an ice cream store, like the, the, the marble place, what's their name? I forget. Something marble, marble slab. They have this concoction there. It is chocolate ice cream mixed with peanut butter, Reese's peanut butter cups. And I don't know what else they put into it, but it is a glob of sugary, milky, creamy goodness. It is amazing. 
I used to go occasionally to Starbucks and buy a cafe mocha. That's really the only thing I've ever bought at the Starbucks. And then one day as I was trying to lose a little weight, I looked at the board and read the calories on the cafe mocha. I went, what? I am paying $8 for 1,300 calories? Why am I doing that? And I had to come to my senses and exercise a little self-control. One, with what I was putting in the body, and two, with what I was spending for a cup of coffee. Now, I'm not against coffee drinking. I'm just saying self-control is difficult. And when we are on the race for our soul, there are certain decisions we need to make and say, I need to be in charge of this. I need to say yes to what I need to say yes to, and I need to say no to what I need to say no to. We must exercise self-control. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says it this way, Lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us. See, there are so many temptations in this world, and they're all very subtle. They whisper in our ear. They lure us. I wonder what fish think sometimes. You know, a fish. You're a fisherman, and you cast your bait, a plastic lure, or a worm. Now, minna is a little different. But when you cast a worm, and you drop it in the water, what is in the brain of said fish? Does he sit there and think, huh, that worm's just kind of hanging right there in the middle of the water. I think I shall eat it. Does he not wonder why the worm is just there? I have no idea. Or your beautiful artificial lure that you cast in the water and it bobbles and you wiggle and jiggle your line to mimic that it's a real live bug. And that fish sees it and is attracted and he says, whoa, look at those pretty colors. I think that's a sick bug. I think I shall eat it. We laugh, and yet Satan does the same thing to each of us. He drops those spiritual lures in front of us, that bait. And he says, looky, looky, looky. And we see it, and we are drawn to it. We are attracted to it. And Scripture says we need to lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us. It leads us away from the purpose, and that requires great discipline. And then we also need to be aware in running with purpose of doctrines and beliefs that would lead us from the truth. There are so many things in this world today that would lead us away from biblical truth. We need to be people who are following the Lord purposefully and saying, 
I will not believe just anything. I want to believe truth and follow truth and know truth and experience truth. Secondly, we need to learn to run with focus. I mean, laser focus. Now, I did watch the Bulldogs game yesterday. There was an interesting play in the game that a lot of people talked about later. Stetson Bennett, the quarterback, threw the ball, a pass. The defender saw it, tipped it. Brock Bowers was the intended receiver. When the defender tipped the ball, it came off of his hand and hit the defender's helmet. Came off of the helmet, at which point Brock Bowers saw the ball, tipped it, tipped it, tipped it, caught it, and ran for a touchdown. That shouldn't have happened. How in the world did that happen? It required great focus on his part. To watch it while running, to somehow come up with that catch. In our life, in our, in our daily life, it requires focus for us to follow the Lord, to understand the scriptural principles. We're not running aimlessly, but we're running with a focus, a purpose on the end game. And the end game is this. One day we will stand before the creator of everything. We will stand before the Lord and we will give an account of everything that we have done. And we need to be laser focused on that day in the future so that our focus remains on this side of heaven. We've got to stay focused. We focus on eternity. We focus on Scripture. We focus on the right people. We focus on the call that God has placed in our life. We know who we are and to what we've been called to do. And we focus on all of those things. And we practice it day in and day out and day in and day out. You know, when we make and do something in this life that's amazing, it makes you feel good, doesn't it? You know, when you do something that is like, wow, you did that, it makes you feel great. God wants to say to you and to me, when you have focus, you will make some amazing plays in your life, kind of like Brock Bowers did. A catch that shouldn't have been made, that you somehow, because of your focus and your determination, you made the catch and you scored one for the team. And the final thing that I want to give you is we run with discipline. It's not easy to be disciplined. But Scripture said in verse 27, I'm disciplining my body and I'm bringing it under strict control. Our mind, our spirit, our body is it's pretty amazing. But we need to discipline our bodies. We need to discipline our mind. We need to discipline our emotion. We need to discipline our thoughts. We need to think about everything that we do every day and throughout the day. And that means that we have to practice our faith. That's part of discipline. Discipline means I am going to pray. I am going to read Scripture. I am going to 
focus on treating others the way I want to be treated. I am going to worship God. I am going to do everything in my strength and power to discipline my body and my mind and my emotion. The whole me. I'm going to work on that because you're focused, because you're running with a purpose. Discouragement will rob us from this whole idea of discipline. When we get discouraged, we want to kind of quit. We just want to throw in the towel. But God says, no, 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 don't do that. Discouragement will rob you. That's Satan whispering in your ear. Discipline says, God, I may not have succeeded in this one, but I'm going to get back on the field. I'm going to get back in the game. I'm going to keep going out there and doing what needs to be done. For those of you who have played some sports, there were those moments when you made an error. Baseball term. The ball that you should have caught, you missed it. And then it gets in your head. And then you think, oh boy, what if I don't catch the next one? I'm going to let my team down. And you beat yourself up. But you know what? A good player who says, you know what? I made a mistake. My purpose is to go out and play to the best of my ability. My purpose is to go out there and take everything I've learned to win this game and to do my part. I'm going to focus on the ball, and I'm going to focus on the catch, and I'm going to focus on doing what I've been trained to do. And then you get back out there, and you don't let discouragement defeat you. You discipline your thoughts, your emotions. You get back out there. And that's what we need to do as Christians. When we face discouragement, we can't let the discouragement beat us down. We get back out there. We say, God, give me what I need. We don't give up. It's easy to give up. God wants his people headed for that ultimate prize to keep pushing, to keep pressing, to keep going. God didn't call us to give up. God called us to press on. And that means that we have to be coachable. We need people to speak into our life, to put our, our arm around us and say, come on, snap out of it. Get back in there. Go for it. Do it. You can. To say and whisper in our ear, you know what? That was great. You could have done this too. You, you can do it. God will give you what you need. There are some people that are great coaches. And those great coaches bring out the best and even the best players. And just in our Christian life, we need people in our life, the right people who will coach us up to become more than we thought we could ever be. God will put them in your life, listen to them, and grow because we need to run with discipline. We need to run with focus, and we need to run with purpose. And then we get rid of all of that excess baggage. And then when we stand before God on judgment day, and when we are before the creator of all, and when we hear him say, all that we've done, 
we'll hear these words, well, well done. Well done. Come into my kingdom. Come into my kingdom. You've earned it. Let's pray together. God.